So, uh, those of you that don't know, we just got back from Israel. We flew in yesterday. That is Moshe Nov. We've been friends for 23 years. He is our tour guide. This past trip this past week was our fourth time for me to be there. Several of them their first time, my wife's third time. So, great, great opportunity. And you'll hear more about that in the next year to two years. We're planning another trip. So, if that is something that you would like the Bible to literally come alive in your life, it would be the trip of a lifetime to go and walk where Jesus walked. Please make preparations, what you need to do to be able to do that. We'll let you know more about that probably this fall. But with that being said, I want to thank you for being here at Freedom Church today. Thank you for coming, and we're so glad, especially if you're a VIP, what we call a very important person. We love you, and God does too. We're thankful that you are here. Look over to the person closest to you and say, thank you for being here today. All right, so glad that you are here. Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God, and that's what we're going to do with everything that we have in us. So we're thankful that you are here today. So as Moshe was talking about, we're starting a new series on the Ten Commandments. But when you think about the Ten Commandments, there are all kinds of top ten lists out there. I'm sure that some of you, you've probably maybe moved into the area, or you, you're the type of person you want to Google, what's the top ten restaurants? Or maybe what's the uh, top 10 when it comes to you being able to find that movie you want to watch and everything. So with that being said, here's something that's exciting to me. I don't know if you know this, but in the Main Street Awards, Freedom Church is a finalist for the greatest place to worship in Sumner County. We need to give God praise for that. So... With that being said, you think about all kinds of top 10 things and stuff like that. I, I got to think, I said, what about top 10 songs? Top 10 songs. So I thought, well, let's find out what it is. How many of you here are familiar with Rolling Stone magazine? Raise your hand. Yes, a lot of you know who it is. Well, they had, and I want to Google this, I want to check it out. Rolling Stone's top 10 songs of all times. You want to hear them? See whether you agree with him or not. Number 10 is Good Vibrations by who? Just a few of you knew who it is. The rest of you didn't know, you're much younger, okay? Number nine, Comfortably Numb. Who is that by? Listen to all the voices. You must have gotten numb a time or two listening to that. <laughs> Number eight, Stairway to Heaven by? Man, listen to all the Zeppelin fans in the house today. Golly, man. Wow, number seven, smells like teen spirit. Man, all these Nirvana fans in the house. How about Johnny B. Good by Chuck Berry? Yeah, yeah. What about this one here? This is number five. It's Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. Yes, you guys know the, the Southern rock and roll. So, Number four is Imagine by John Lennon. How about this one here? By the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. How many of you like that song? Some of you, you live in America, you live like you can never get satisfaction. Let me ask you this. I didn't mean to do this. How many of you live with someone who can't get no satisfaction? Go ahead and raise your hand. We'll pray over them today before, the, before church is over, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let me keep going here. Let me keep going. All right. Now, that was number three. Number two, Bohemian Rhapsody by 
Man, everybody got Queen fans. You like Freddie Mercury, the late Freddie Mercury. But then number one, number one, are you ready? You ready? Gongam style by Psy. <laughs> You're laughing about it. Just kidding. <laughs> How about this? Number one, according to Rolling Stones, top ten songs of all time, like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> this is what their opinion is, okay? And opinions are like belly buttons and somewhere else everybody's got one. How, if you got a belly button, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you got any? Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Any, Audi, whatever you say. I don't know. But anyway, when we look at the Ten Commandments, this is God's top ten list written by the finger of God. Doesn't change. You can't even vote on it, you see. God wrote them on tablets of stone given to his servant Moses. Based, did you know our whole legal system is based upon the Ten Commandments? Our spiritual moral compass, it's that for humanity. I love the quote from Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president. He said, but for the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't know right from wrong. Do you agree with me? that the Ten Commandments are important. Would you raise your hand? you agree with me that they're important? I think everybody here knows that. They're important. But you know what's amazing about it? Let me ask this question. How many of you here, and you raise your hand if you want to, how many of you here can quote all Ten Commandments? Raise your hand. can quote them. A few people can. Did you know they did a poll and they said that only 14% of Christians in our nation can quote the Ten Commandments? 14%. But, you know, you think about it, it varies. It's sad for us as Christians. Is it being a, a really a basis for our legal system? It's fundamental for right and wrong. And, uh, but I, there's so much other stuff. Bet, I'll bet you anything that you know the ingredients on a Big Mac more than you know. Two all beef. Oh, Lord God in heaven, they're quoting it. Lord Jesus, help me to help these people as their pastor when they can quote McDonald's Big Mac more than they can the Ten Commandments. Help me, Jesus. Well, my prayer is that by the time we get done with these over the next 10 weeks, because we're going to park on one each week, that you will be able to quote them because you can and you should, and my prayer is that you will. Because the Ten Commandments are not obsolete as they tried to destroy them a few years ago. Remember that? Tried to destroy them, take them off everywhere, every place you go and all that. The Ten Commandments are not obsolete. The Ten Commandments are absolutes. Let me say that again. The Ten Commandments are not obsolete. The Ten Commandments are absolute. So let's give God praise that he gave us the basis of how we can live our lives by. So, 
What I want to do is I want to ask you in honor of God's Word and the Ten Commandments, always knowing that they come out of Exodus chapter 20. Would you stand with me? And I want to ask you as you stand with me that we read them together, if you can at all, audibly. Read these scriptures with me. And we will begin in Exodus chapter 20 and begin in verse 2, and we will go through verse 17. So let's read them together. Here we go. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Number two, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Commandment number three. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Commandment number four, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. Commandment number five, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Commandment number six, you must not murder. Commandment number seven, you must not commit adultery. Commandment number eight, you must not steal. Commandment number nine, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Commandment number 10, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these great Ten Commandments that you gave Moses long ago. God, we pray, Lord, that each of us, God, hear that we will open our hearts, God, to you, that you will write on the tablets of our hearts that we will know by memory that which is so important to live our lives by, especially beginning with the first one. We thank you for this day. Bless this congregation. Bless every heart that's here. Bless every heart, Lord, that may have come and don't have you in their heart. Today will be their day of salvation. Bless each one in their family. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. amen. You can be seated. Now, as we move forward here, there's a lot of times, and I've looked at a lot of stuff, and I've been a lot of places, and you can go, and they'll do these shortened versions of the Ten Commandments. Uh, like one, there's a, you can Google it for yourself. It's a hillbilly Ten Commandments. It's kind of funny, but it's Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? But let me ask this question. How many of you here have had the privilege to go to Hawaii before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. You've been to Hawaii. Quite a few of you have been to Hawaii before. Uh, we went there in 1991. Uh, my wife and I and her family enjoyed that time together. But I don't know if you know this, but they have a dialect that they speak, the Hawaiian people do there, called the pigeon language, the, the pigeon language. And it's just like a shortened version. If you've been to Jamaica or other places, they have this type of dialect that the, the locals, uh, they will speak. Well, that's what they do in Hawaii. So what they did, they come up with the pigeon Ten Commandments. So I want us to read this together here real quick, and I want you to check it out. Here we go. And look at what it says in the pigeon English. It says, God is number one. Number two here, no make dakini statues. In other words, you don't have any things there. Number three, watch your mouth, no swallow with God's name. That's how they say this, okay? 
Number four, on Sunday, no can do nothing. Number five, listen to your mother and your father. Number six, no murder, nobody. That's pretty simple, isn't it? No murder, nobody. Number seven, go, no go Momo with your brother's wahini. Basically, you don't commit adultery, we'll just move on. So, it says, no kakarochi nadi. Basically, you, no kakarochi nadi. And number eight, you're not to steal, okay? All right? Number nine is, no lie, brah, right? No lie, brah. And number ten, no be jealous, one another's person stuff. And then, it goes on to say there, they kind of add something to it. They say, oh, and one not a thing. No talk stink about nobody. Bumbai, you get bache. I ain't going to touch that either, but we don't even talk about nobody, right? So, we're going to discuss the Ten Commandments for how they're written in the Bible, okay? These are ten priorities. These are ten directives, and I want you to think about it. Life is a bunch of choices and decisions, Every day that you and I rise out of our beds, we get up and we face another day, you and I make all kinds of choices and decisions. And oftentimes, we make choices and decisions without even thinking about them. We need a foundation that's solid like the Ten Commandments, and that's what the Ten Commandments gives us. Something to look for about the important choices and decisions that you and I are faced on a given day. There are Ten Commandments, and every week we're going through one of them. We're going to look at the meaning of each commandment. We're going to look at the mentality behind the commandment. What was God thinking about when he gave us this certain directive? And finally, we're going to look at the implication of that Ten Commandments. So there are 10 commandments. Here's what I want you to understand. How is this split up? You ever thought about how the 10 commandments is split up? And you say, what do you mean? There are four that are directed in your relationship with God, the first four. The last six are in direction to your relationship with other people. How do we break that down? Jesus said that all the law can be summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody follow me? Say yes. So here's where we're at. If you don't keep the first commandment, then you can't keep the other nine commandments. There was a great theologian that made this quote, and this is what he said. If you ain't first, you're last. That great theologian was Ricky Bobby on Talladega Nights. But think about it. If you ain't first, you're last. Think about it from the mindset of the Ten Commandments. If God ain't first, he might as well be last in your life. You track it with me? Say yes. If you keep the first commandment, you have absolutely no problem keeping the other nine thereafter. So let's jump into number one. Okay, I'm going to begin reading the first two verses we have not read in Exodus chapter 20. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So God's chosen people, the children of Israel, had been in Egypt in slavery for a long time, around 400 years, and God miraculously delivered them through his man, the prince of Egypt, Moses. And Moses, led by God, he took his people through a wall of water, and finally the entire Hebrew nation, they were camping out. They were doing the KOA thing. 
How many of you here like camping? Raise your hand. A lot of you. You know, we didn't really camp. Shannon and I never did. We did it once when we first got married, and you've seen how much fun it was, and we didn't do it after that. But anyway, we was in a tent, and we got wet, you know, real bad. The water ran in the tent, and, you know, it was kind of a bad memory. But when the pandemic hit, camping went through the roof with a lot of people. Everybody wanted to go camping. So we found a camper from a truck. We drove to Missouri, got it, brought it home, and we went camping, thinking we'll evade this crazy COVID-19. We went camping three times. I no longer own that camper. Because the problem was with my wife, camping wasn't glamping. You see what I'm saying? Camping wasn't glamping. So even though we had a TV and we had an air conditioner and it was really cozy, she just didn't like it. So she wanted us to camp out full time. So we built our house at the lake and we're blessed to be able to do that during the pandemic. So if I want to camp, I just go out there in the woods and she stay in the house. But anyway, it's a pretty cool idea. But I want you to think about the children of Israel. Did they, was it glamping for them? It was for that time. It wasn't, you say, why is that? God gave them a cloud over, their, over, the, over all of them. By day, they didn't have to have any sunscreen. You think about them at night, he led them by fire. He rained down quail. He rained down, gave them manna to be able to eat. Rocks would produce water. All those kind of things, which was unlike the day and time for which they were living. You understand what I'm saying? But they complained against Moses all the time. I call them Israelites because they were miserably complaining against him all the time. So with that being said, think about Moses here. They were camping on the base of Mount Sinai, and he goes all the way top. He gets the commandments. Then he comes and imparts the words of truth to God's chosen people. So God says, I am the Lord your God. There's no debate there. It's a given. There's no explanation here. God is setting forth his authority as God. If God didn't have the authority as God, then the Ten Commandments would be based on ten theories. It would be based on ten suggestions. It would be based on ten other kind of opinions. Consider this, that God says, I am the Lord your God. I am the God of the universe and of creation. And he wants a personal relationship with his creation, with his people. He wants a personal connection with you. God's commandments were given to God's people as a guideline for daily living. Each and every day of your life, you have a guideline. He doesn't want it to be Sunday living, really easy. Hey, all of us can be really good Christians. In her. Anybody have the urge to cuss me out at the moment? Anybody? Probably not, because you're in God's house. But wait till that person cuts you off in traffic tomorrow. See how you're going to wave at him, which finger it's going to be, right? So it's guidelines for daily living, right? Right? So with that being said, I want us to think about first things first. Look at the person next to you and say, first things first. Here's the first commandment. Verse 3, Exodus 20, you must not have any other God but me. What's the meaning here? Since God's character forms the basis of the covenant with his people, he demands absolute loyalty. Absolute loyalty. And when the intent of the heart is to put God's first, a person's actions will reveal it. God wants exclusively a relationship with you. He does not want to share that with anybody. It would be like Shannon and I, we've been married 32 years. It'd be like if I went home tonight and I said, hey, Shanda, I'm going to be late tonight coming home. Where are you going? Oh, I got a date. (laughs) With who? 
well, I'm just going out with a friend. You're not jealous, are you? Oh, you shouldn't be jealous. Everybody, said, everybody always says, you shouldn't be jealous. God's jealous of us, isn't he? Because he wants that exclusive, heartfelt, one-on-one relationship with you and, and I. It's that important. That would be crazy. I, you know, Shannon and I have never talked about uh, divorce. We may have talked about murder, you know, between each other, that commandment. But not the other part, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, it would be ludicrous to think in such measures. So we're to prioritize God as God, acknowledge his presence, we affirm his power, we obey his directives and his commandments, we worship God as God, we honor God as God because he is God. See, we have a slot in our hearts that's the sole place that's only reserved for God. And when I say soul place, I'm saying S-O-U-L, soul place for God. So that's where he wants to go in that slot. Did you know that the ancient man, they wasn't into monotheism. Ancient man was in, wasn't into the one God thing. They were into polytheism. That means many gods and gods. They had a belief and worship of many different gods. They worshiped the God of the moon, the God of the sun, the God of the grass, the God of the weather. Like Zeus, he was a God of power and authority. And then there's God. He named uh, the God of Bacchus. That's the God of gluttony, the party God. Then there's the God of mammon. You've heard of that word before, the God of material possessions and, and money and things like that. Then there's Athena, goddess of education and wisdom and knowledge. See, our society society might not be having those gods, but our society, is, society today is in the polytheism because there's many gods. They just changed their names and are operating under different aliases. So let's think about our privileges. Our privileges are this, the power of being who I want. The power that we become our own idol. We worship the trinity of ego, me, myself, and I. What's in it for me? What makes me look good? What amps me up? We're free to be whoever we choose that we want to be. Culture says you've got to do what's good for you. Isn't that what culture tells us? It's exactly what it says. People say, well, I, I feel like it. I've got to do it. That's what culture is telling us. And let me say this. Living a selfish life in first place will cause you to be lonely. I hope you understand what I just said. So power being who I want. What about this? Pleasures, doing what I want. There's all kinds of thrills. But a lot of times people don't consider the cost to the thrills. We had a hill where I grew up and it's called Thrill Hill. A lot of people would run and jump Thrill Hill. But when parts flew off and the sparks flew when we hit the bottom, things weren't so thrilling anymore. You understand what I'm saying? There's a pleasuristic mentality that everybody seems to look for. There's a search for the high. There's a search for the rush. There's a search for the experience. And it gives this fast, temporary relief from the pain and the problems that we have in this life. So what do we do? People want to shop. They want to have all kinds of hobbies. They want to be able to fish or hunt or travel or run after this or that ball field or this ball field and all those kind of things. We just go for our feelings and the feel-good feelings that we get. But here's what I'll tell you about your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. you got to do what I've got to do. So people jump out of this marriage or they bail out of this career and they end up turning their backs on God. i got to do what I really feel like because my feelings are so important. If that's your mentality right now, let me ask you this. What are you smoking from the CBD store? i got to love God first. got to love my wife 
like Jesus loved the church and gave his life for it. Let me tell you this. I don't always feel like being pastor. Oh, my goodness. We need to get another pastor. Let's go to another church. I'm just like you. I'm a human. I have a different calling, right? I don't always feel like being pastor. I don't always feel like working, but I do. Why do I do that? It's called commitment. It's called commitment. And so that's why many, many of you do what you do. Does God want us to get, into, to get away from pleasures and thrills and just live like monks somewhere else? No, that's not what it's saying. But he doesn't want pleasure to become our God. Do you follow what I'm saying? If you, if you do, look at the person next to you and say amen. It's pleasure with perimeters. You understand what I'm saying? It's pleasure with perimeters. What do I mean by that? Here's an example. God gave us the gift of sex. I've done a whole series about it here a while back. Something the church very rarely touches, which is all through the scripture to teach from God's way. That's not a bad word. But my point is, is that God gave us the gift of sex. It's perimeters, and that's what sex happens in. God said one man, one woman married for one lifetime. It's just like it is. God gave us perimeters for the pleasure of eating. But if I eat Twinkies all day, every day for the next six months, things ain't going to turn out too well. Especially when you step on the scales or you're sick. God gave us food to know how to eat food, food for fuel in your body to live out his pleasures and good purposes for him. For his good pleasure and good purpose. And I could go on and on, but just remember, pleasure with perimeters. Something else is privilege that we have. Possessions, getting what I want. Now, there's a lot of people that's born to shop. There's a whole lot of them in this audience right here, I'll guarantee you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because a lot of you would, <laughs> look at my credit card statement. Anyway. Many people dream and they scheme, especially in this great United States of America, of how to get more. How do I get my next outfit? How do I get the next car? How do I get the next boat or the house or the jewelry? And more, more, more. The desire to acquire has gone haywire. And that's the truth. I hope you agree with that. We think things will satisfy to have a lot of stuff. And then we have a lot of stuff, we think we're the stuff, right? No, no, no. There's nothing wrong. Here's what I want you to know. There's nothing wrong with us having stuff. It's just when our stuff has us. You understand what I'm saying? Suddenly there's no time for church. People just make church as an option. When I grew up, it was the only option for Sunday. As my kids grew up, it was the only option for their Sunday. I'm not saying when you're sick or when you're out of town for work. I'm not saying the early part of a pandemic. Pandemic's pretty well over. It's going to be our next flu. But my point is, is this. If you're not careful, what becomes one that's important to the next generation, uh, from the last generation, the next generation knows nothing of it. God has not changed. The Sabbath day's not changed. And when you think about when you're not a part of church, you can't serve because you're not here because you can't use the gifts that God has given you. Where are you serving at in your church? If you call this church home, I ask you where you're serving at. If you're not serving, then someone else is missing out on your gift set. If you're blessed to be able to work and you're bringing tithes and offerings to further the kingdom, we exist to reach people to know God locally, globally, and everywhere in between. If you're not giving back to God, there's an issue with what you say with what God says. 
The issue is not with me. It's not with the church. It's the issue that you have between you and God when it comes to him prospering you. A lot of people say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I've worked all week long. I am wore out and tired on Sunday. It's the only day I got off. I just want to sit on the couch. I just want to veg. And I want to get it out on, on, online and get my Jesus on, you know. Let me say this. Online's a great tool, and those of you that's watching online. But if online's preventing you to be in person, there's an issue. Because we want to know and love everybody, don't we? How many of y'all will cheer and lead, raise a roof off this place and let the people watching online know we love them? Do it. Do it right now. Now, some of them will say, well, I'm working. Listen, if you're working, turn it off and watch it later, okay? Okay, you'll be watching while you're working. And if you're watching it driving down the road, God forbid, turn it off. But anyway, um, my point is, if you want to veg out at home and not come to church, because she's tired. Who gave you the career or the job in order for you to work and make the money you had to be able to sit on that nice couch, to be able to veg in that air conditioner, to be able to put on the clothes that you've got, to be able to have the ride that gets you to your job? Who gave you the heartbeat? Who gave you the breath of life? God, your creator did. Please don't veg on God. God, thank God he never veges on me. He's always there. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. He would go with us even to the end of this world that we're in. Let's give God praise now that he's a God that we can love because he's always there for us, church. Come on. So, what does the Bible say when it comes to possessions, about possessions? It teaches us that possessions are good when they don't possess us. That's what it is. That's what it is. Don't be guilty of bowing to cash and money and things. Something else, it's a privilege is progress, giving credit where I want. I've done it. I'm smart. I accomplished it. It's knowledge. Knowledge is it, yes. And when it comes to education, education's it. Progress is great. We're moving forward. Yeah, I graduated high school. I have a bachelor's degree, but understand, I learn from many different people. I learn from podcasts. If you're not learning, you're not leading, I will tell you that. But education, listen to me closely, does not measure to the most important things in life. You got to give credit where credit is due. Progress apart from God is human ignorance. Progress of knowledge and education, it does not measure up to vision. It does not measure up to creativity. It does not measure up to endurance and people skills. Progress has become a God to us, especially in this nation. So we look at the privileges, power doesn't satisfy, pleasures are empty, possessions are vain, progress has made us, a God of, made us a God of creation. All these gods and goddesses don't work, so God says prioritize me as God, worship me and me alone. That's why God set forth the first commandment to save me and you from a lot of pain. And when I say pain, there's two types of pain. There's the pain that hurts you, then there's the pain that changes you. And I pray that the pain will change you. So let's look at the priorities. Look at James, the oldest book in the New Testament. He was Jesus' stepbrother. Look at what it says in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. See, if we're not careful, we've let our network declare our self-worth. 
Our job, our career, our success, our titles. It's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to make money, but we let that become the determining factor of who we are. And what we're going to do, what we say we're going to do. Look at verse 14. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? It says, for what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You're just a mist. Where'd it go? It's gone. You're just a mist. Just a mist. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. They might call me a mist. I work out and I eat right and exercise. <laughs> We're just a mist. Wow. <laughs> Look at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So in light of the fact that your life is a mist. Listen to me. Your success is tied to your surrender to the one true heavenly father in his will. You cannot separate success and surrender. We're all living in the mist of the moment. So maybe it's time to trade places. You say, what do you mean? You need to accept God's evaluation of your life. So what do you mean, Pastor? We've all messed up and God knows this. Quit trying to hide the past that's messing up your future. You've got to give God the past and give him the midst of the moment to move forward in where God created you to do. Because God is out there in front of you waiting for you to get there. And the past just pulls you back. Proverbs 15, 11 says, Even death and destruction holds no secret from the Lord. How much more does he know the human heart? God already knows. Quit letting your past dictate the future. Give it to God. Let him do a heartfelt evaluation. And then when he does a heartfelt evaluation, the next thing is when it comes to trading places is you got to allow God to change you. Allow God to change you. Man, I've been in, I've been in ministry for going on th three decades. And man, I've seen so many people who live back here and they miss what's in front of them. They especially miss the mist of the moment. And that's sad. Do you need to change anything in your power mentality? Are you chasing pleasures? Are possessions possessing you? Are you a giver like God? Are you bowing down at the feet of scientists and listening to these professors who perpetuate their take on life for the sake of progress? John 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then you're thinking, okay, God, I'll love you, but I want to pick and choose the commandments that I'm going to follow. No, no, no. I'm going to learn God's Word. I'm going to learn how to be the man or be the woman of prayer and devotion and obedience. And most of all, surrender. Then when you do that, you can understand one thing that's going to happen. When you start chasing the heart of Jesus and you allow him to do an evaluation of your life, and you allow God to change you, I promise you then you can anticipate in Satan the enemy's not going to like it. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and you can be victorious. With you and God, you might feel like you're the minority, but with you and God, you're the majority because he's God and he's powerful. He's omniscient. He's everywhere at one time, God, and he deserves praise in the house today because he is for us. Who can be against us, church? Is that right? Woo! James said this in verse 4, in chapter 4 and verse 7. 
So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, with God, you can defeat Satan. But without God, you cannot defeat him. So it boils down to this and what happens in our human lives. There, there's a battle that takes place. It's between humility versus pride. And what does that mean? I love what we go on to see that James said in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. He says, so once again, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Did you hear that? Come close to God. God will come close to you. So many times we have a relationship with him and then all of a sudden the, 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 the power or the possessions or the, the progress, whatever it is you're caught up in, those things begin to lure you and you begin to go toward those things and living a life in the carnal and you're, you're not living the eternal and, and, and hopefully you realize that God has evaluated off. You see where you're at, and then you allow God to change you. And what's so cool is when you turn around, God's there waiting on you. See, when you decide to come close to God, God's already there. When you decide to turn and repent, that means the Greek word metanoia means a change of mind, and you turn and change your mind. God's right there. God's right there. He says, come close to God. That's our decision. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Now, when it comes to sinners, I, I, it just blows my mind. People get offended because they're called a sinner. It just means you miss the mark. Let me ask this question. How many of you want to miss the mark with God? Raise your hand. How many of you want to really come close to God, your creator? Would you lift your hand? Thank you. And that's why I believe all of you are here today. That's why I believe all of you are here today because you really, truly do want to come close to God. So he says, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. God is not going to bless our lives with divided loyalties. It's just not going to happen. You know, as older I get, the more that I want to fall more in love, more in love, more in love with, with my Savior. And when you think about that, and you say, why, Pastor? Because I'm not, I'm not as young as I used to be. Each day I'm a day older, just like you. When you're young, you don't think as much about it. You think you've got every day in front of you. But we don't. We're one heartbeat away from being in eternity. Every one of us. The death angel is not discriminative. The death angel comes to the young, the old, the healthy, the sick. And I hear stories all the time. One pastor friend of mine that he was a bivocational pastor and he used to drive a truck and he drove a truck for a, few, for a casket company. You know what was amazing about the caskets in the truck? He said there was a stand of time he hauled more children's caskets than he'd ever hauled before in his life. God's going to get his number with or without us, even if he has to go to the cradle to get it. This past seven days was remarkable in Israel for Shannon and I. And we had the opportunity to buy jewelry. I like jewelry. And so we both wanted to buy a ring in Israel that had something Hebrew on it. And 
we prayed, we talked, we thought, what, what would we want to have on a ring? You know, we thought about our marriage. I love my wife with all my heart. We've been married 32 years. We thought about putting the verse in Solomon, Song of Songs, from what Solomon said. You know, you are my beloved, my beloved. You know, it's a scripture there. We thought about that. We thought about different things. But then we both settled on the one thing that means the most to us. Yeshua hu hadan shali. Yeshua hu hadan shali. You say, what is that in Hebrew? That is Jesus is my Lord, that's what it says in Hebrew on my ring. It's one thing to say, I know Jesus. But can you say, Jesus is my Lord? Your commitment, your heart, your surrender, there's no divided loyalties. And I thank God each day I get closer to Him. And when I decide to be closer to Him, He's always closer to me. My prayer for you today is that everyone here can say, Jesus is my Lord. Whenever you begin to truly keep that first commandment, you'll have no problem keeping the other nine. Because with God, there's no second place. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, we come in your presence to thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. I thank you for every person that's watched online or person that's in person here. They gave time out of their life to give you honor and glory, to worship you, to hear your word. Now comes the time, God, that we apply your word to our lives. So God, I pray for every person here, God, that as we evaluate our lives, and if we see something that's not of you, God, if there's a tilt in our, in our privileges that we have where we're caught up in the, the power or the, or the prestige of life or the possessions or the progress, God, then we'll realize we're just a mist. So in the midst of this moment, I pray, God, that your Spirit's convicting power and love will come on every heart here. God, if there's changes that needs to be made, I want to ask you to be brutally honest today and no one's coming to you but I want to ask you a question how many of you here has let a God evaluate your life today and you already know there's changes that God wants you to make would you just be honest enough and raise your hand all over the auditorium God bless you God bless you hands going up everywhere God bless every single one of you for your honesty before God I want to pray with you and pray for you so let's, let's do that together. You pray, and I'm going to pray for you and with you, Heavenly Father. I thank you, God, for each one here, God, that you've touched their hearts. They know there's changes that they want to make because they want to get close to you today. So when they make that move, you said you'd get close to us. So I pray, God, that you'll purify their hearts, that they wash their hands. We don't want to be sinners, but we want to be saints in your good grace and hope and love and purpose and plan of salvation. God, touch each heart. Give them the strength and the energy, God. I pray you give them the power through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When Satan tries to come in and come at them, that greater are you that's in them and, and he, the enemy that's in this world. Bless them, God. Also, as we continue praying, without God, you are no match for the enemy. And maybe you're here today and you came kicking and screaming because someone kept bugging you and inviting you, but you came anyway. But you realize since you've come that it's Jesus through his spirit that's knocking on your heart and you've never given your heart to him. 
I'm so glad you're here, and I'll guarantee you everybody else is too, especially the Lord that gave his life for you. Or maybe you're here today and things are falling apart. Maybe you're, you lost your job or your marriage is holding on by threads, or maybe you've got a sickness or a loved one's got a sickness and you don't understand and you want to seek God. Whatever it took to get God to get you here, to get you in the presence of his loving conviction, I'm so glad that you're here. God is a miracle-working God. He's a promise keeper. We love him. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to him, that's why you're here, friend. So I want to ask you, if you would, right now, in the presence as Christians are praying and heads bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and you know you've never given your life to him, would you just lift your hand real high right now? Just lift it real high and say, I've never, God bless you, God bless you. God bless all of you. Anyone else, anyone else, God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand real high and say, I need Jesus today. At least five of you that's raised your hand and maybe more if I missed you. I hope I didn't. But I want us to pray together and I want you to pray. I wish I could pray the prayer for you, but I can't. It's your prayer. So right now as you get ready to pray, I'm just going to lead you in the prayer and guide you, but everyone, no one prays alone here, okay? Let's pray together. And you just talk to him and say, Lord God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus in your heart. I want to invite you in my heart today. I ask you to accept me as your son or your daughter. I believe in you, that you lived and you died and you arose for me. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I confess them to you now everything I've ever done wrong. I ask you to save my soul today. I want to be born again. My life, my heart is yours. Just pray that the presence and the peace of Almighty God came in your soul. Thank him for that right where you're at right now. Thank him for it. And he's going to give you the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide your life from this day forward. You're no longer alone. What I want you to do is to let us know that in just a few moments. I'll tell you how. And we're going to follow up with you and help you to understand what just happened in your heart. Your next step is baptism. We're going to be having that before long. That is your next step of obedience. We're so proud of you. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for the hearts you've touched, the hearts you saved, the lives you've changed. May we just know there's never room for second place in our relationship with you. It's only first. Find us faithful, God. Find us faithful, God. And we give honor and praise and glory to your holy name. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Let's give God praise today, church, to our Savior. right all right all right so we're going to go into a time of giving and i want to say thank you for your faithful giving at freedom church and here's the thing about it. a lot of times when it goes in time of giving it's a whole nother message but i'm going to give you the cliff notes real quick sometimes it's like a doggy downer when we talk about giving if it's a doggy downer you need to get your heart right with god because there's an opportunity as christians that we give back to god because he's blessed us with everything else can i get a witness say amen Amen. And so it says, uh, Paul told the church of Corinth that we're to be cheerful givers. Well, let's lift the roof off this place and say, we get to give to God. Now, 
if he had said you got to give 50%, I would counsel with you and listen to you. But he only said 90 10, okay? All right? So anyway, uh, we're going to get back to God here just in a moment. There's multiple ways you can do that. Thank you. I hope and pray. If you're brand new today, just disregard this if it's your first time here. For those of you calling home, we're going to get back to God. You can do that through our app, through the website. You can do that through the kiosks out there, or you can do it tangibly as you leave with ushers. But other than that, also, if you're brand new here today, we call you VIPs because you're very important. You're most important to God because He loves you, proved His love for you, and we love you too. So if you would, do me a huge favor, take a card out of the back of the seat and fill it out as much much information you feel uh, you want to, comfortable with. Take it out to the info desk, give it to them. They're going to give you a gift to commemorate your visit today. And I would ask you, if you're brand new here today, give us a three-peat. What I mean by that is give us three three different times to come in here, see if it's for you. If it's not, we'll help you find the church it is for you, okay, in our community because a lot of great churches. But most of all, if you gave your life to Christ, those of you that lifted your hand, I need you to do me a favor. I want you to take a card out of the back of the seat and I want you to mark that, that you gave your life to Christ. Just let us know your information. We'll follow up with you and be able to help you and disciple you through the decision you just made because you got to tell somebody when it happened in here. And that's what he says. He says, if you're ashamed of me here, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. So if you would, just take that card out. If you got a prayer request or you got a question, that's what those cards are for. Pull those out and do that. And uh, we'd appreciate it very much. I'm going to pray. And as I do, uh, you pray with me and I'll tell you one thing and then we'll go. Father, we love you. Thank you for this amazing day. You're such a good God. Thank you for just blessing our lives the way that you have. By us making you first place, may we be a blessing, God. Thank you for your ten commandments, the directives for our lives, for daily living. Maybe by the end of this, God, we all not only memorize them, but we just fully live by them in Jesus' name. God, thank you for the time to be able to give, be able to give back to you. We're blessed. Everything we've got in a tangible sense is yours. Take these tithes and offerings and use them for your glory. And may we continue our purpose as a church and our existence of reaching people to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen. All right. Commandment number two next week. Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you. Other than that, if I've never met you, I'll be over by the coffee house. I love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week.